Hi, this is the Mentoring Lab Podcast, where we create a work BFF mentoring movement, one episode at a time. Here are your hosts, Sarah and Kelly. Hello, and welcome to the Mentoring Lab Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kelly. How are you today, Kelly? I'm doing fabulous today, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing pretty well myself. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty happy today. Feeling pretty fulfilled, excited. I think I caught up on some much needed sleep. So I actually feel pretty refreshed today. I can definitely tell. I can. There's <laughs> definitely. I think. I think today you have more energy than I do. <laughs> And I am normally pretty energetic, so I agree. So you're, you know, well, guys, you are listening or witnessing a unicorn moment here because normally Kelly's the one who's extremely (laughs) energetic, has way more energy than me, but the table, my, 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 how the tables have turned. (laughs) Okay. All right. So let's get into our toast. Actually, I'll kick off first with my win and my loss before we... Before you share yours, Kelly, and then we get into our weekly toast. Uh, a win I wanted to share this week. I I feel like this past week has just been a blur. We were talking about that right before we recorded. Barbie's like, what the hell happened this week? But I feel like it was a, extremely productive. I got a lot done. But on a personal note, I actually finished an actual book, a Kindle book. But I have been listening to Audible books for probably over a year now and have been listening to many books. But part of the 75-day challenge is to actually read so many pages every day of an actual book in my presence, which I know I'm looking at you through the screen right now. And there's like 100 behind you. And I have 100 around me scattered about. But I actually read a Kindle book, finished it last night. It was a little over 600 pages. Very proud of myself. And it was The Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. Really good book. I highly encourage anyone out there who it is kind of a quick read. Um, I only did so many pages a day. So it took me a little bit longer, a little over a month to read. Really great book. He interviewed probably over 50 different types of business entrepreneurs and asked them anywhere from three to five to seven to eight to nine questions. And it was just just a wealth of knowledge to listen from, well, not listen to read the pages of these wonderful, successful people. And um, I bookmarked tons of pages and things I want to, more books I want to go and buy because of them now. And then a loss I had for the week is we had a long extended weekend, my partner and I, and we were going to clean out our garage and take some stuff to our storage unit. And we didn't do one damn thing. So... (laughs) (laughs) I was looking forward to that, getting the garage organized because it's been kind of a disarray for the last like two months, which is not like us at all. So that's been a loss for me. And I could say the lesson learned is for major projects around the house, you just can't say you're going to do something this weekend. I have to look at it as like an actual work project where I should have said, okay, we're spending two hours on Friday and an hour on Saturday. What time do you want to do this? So I think we needed to make more of a definitive plan in terms of that because it's Sunday and shit hasn't gotten done. And I'm a little aggravated by that, but I have no one to blame but myself because I wasn't even a driving factor um, in, in trying to get it done. So... That's that. Got it. Got it. Can totally relate to that needing to schedule things and get things done because isn't that what they say? What gets scheduled is what gets done. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a quote somewhere or something or what gets measured is what gets done. But still, I think the same applies with when you schedule it. And that comes back to um, a previous topic we talked about with time blocking. 
blocking the time on the calendar to get things done. So awesome. So great lesson learned for you. I'm going to start with my loss, which is the reality learning that my body is changing and there's just some foods I can't eat anymore. <laughs> um, you know, I, I keep pushing the envelope. Um, I woke up this morning and I got this little pain and I know what the pain is and it's um, from like the acid in my stomach or something. And so I can't eat fried food and I just can't eat spicy food. I had a crab cake yesterday and it was, you know, a fried crab cake. It was delicious. It was all lump crab meat, but it was still fried. Had some hush puppies, which were fried. And then, so it's that fried food. And then um, my husband got pizza with pepperoni. So the spicy pepperoni. So I woke up today, I'm like, oh my gosh, my side's hurting. And I'm like, you know what? You just need to accept the fact that you are at that stage of life where there's some food you just can't eat. You know, enjoy. There's so many other things to enjoy. Just stay away from the ones that cause you pain because it's kind of like touching, keep touching the stove thinking you're not going to get burned, right? So every time... And it's not even in moderation, I think, even if it's just one thing. But anyway, so that's my lesson learned. Learning my body's changing and you need to listen to your body. So my win, which I'm very excited about, and um, it ties in with something you shared in your win. I recently got connected to my public library through my phone. So I can download audiobooks from the library. And I've been doing that for the first time. I, I listen to podcasts, I read books, but now the two worlds have merged. And um, I have been taking advantage of listening to books while I'm doing different things around the house. So that was my win. I was really excited about that. I've got three hours left in this book, and I'm looking forward to logging into the library and getting another one real soon. So that's my win and that's my loss or lesson learned. So are you ready to do this toast? I am so ready. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Here's to our wins. Here's to our losses. Here's to one day being our own bosses. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. <laughs> ooh, ooh. I don't know if I'm ever going to get used to that kick. <laughs> I'm telling you. That was apple whiskey today. It, actually, it was pretty good. It's still, like I said, what did I call it? A um, The kick. Just the kick. And you I don't know if it's meant to be taken as a shot the way we have been doing it, I'm sure. So I'm sure that whiskey connoisseurs take the whiskey and sip it and enjoy every robust robustness of the flavor <laughs> versus the way that we are becoming um, experienced with drinking whiskey. So anyway, it was still very, very good. And I'm glad that we're still exploring and um, learning about whiskey and the different flavors and so forth. Yes. Um, I had my green juice, my shot of green juice this morning, but hopefully I think I got maybe less than 20 days and then I can, uh, then I'll be right there with you with the whiskey, but really quickly thinking, yeah, the, the whiskey connoisseurs, I, I think there's lots of different ways to enjoy a whiskey. I, I do think probably the more expensive variety is where you put it in, you know, a rocks glass and you kind of swirl it around a little bit and smell it, take it in and you just sip on it. One, because especially for the bottles that are $100 or more, because <laughs> you're trying to make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, we have a couple of expensive bottles where we just pour it itsy teeny bit into the glass and you enjoy it like after dinner. But I don't think there's a wrong way or right way. I think whatever you like to do, right? Do you. That's what I say. But yeah, taking it straight up shots or mixing it into a really nice um, mixer is also 
really good. So anyways, let me get up my my uh, soapbox about that. So what are we talking about today, Kelly? What is our mentoring discussion going to center on? Sarah, today our topic is going to be on something that just has me so on fire these days. I am, I don't want to say obsessed, but I am excited and um, just can't stop thinking about the future of work and the topic of the future of work. I think every meeting I was in last week, every single meeting, well, it, whether it was relevant or not, I brought up future work. And it, there must be some relevance because it's totally on my mind. And I know it's something that many people are thinking about, but I think it's on my mind because I'm concerned about the people who are not thinking about it and the uncertainty that lies ahead with the future of work. What's it going to look like? What are the things people need to think about? What things need to change? How will it be different? Is there anything that is going to drastically change from what we're doing now? For example, we, we know how to work in the office. We know how to work remotely, but do we know how to merge those two worlds together and what is it going to look like? So that has really been a hot topic for me these past um, few days or this week, reading a lot, stumbling upon articles and talking to people and just pulling that thread about, you know, what are the things that we need to think about? And I think we've talked a, a bit before about, I like certainty and I know life is not certain. But there's things that I like to at least know that there's someone thinking about what it may look like. And um, so that that's what we're going to talk about today. What are the things that we need to talk about? What are the things that we need to think about? What are the things that we need to do? What are the things that people should be thinking about and doing? And I want to bring it, circle it back to, if you remember many months ago, we talked about that podcast from um, Positive University with Matthew McConaughey. One of the things he said was, be prepared. Now he was talking about being prepared for auditions and reading ahead and so forth, but that just stayed in my mind, be prepared. And I think that's, that is what is pushing me towards this future of work discussion. How can we be prepared and how can we help others be prepared? And are people doing the things that they need to do to be prepared for, you know, eventually there's going to be a shift. We're not going to be in this remote environment forever. Something's going to change. And I hear, I read that it's going to be more of a hybrid. What is the hybrid going to look like? What's going to have to change? What do we need to do differently? And um, how can we prepare for that? So that's why I wanted to talk about it today. Because like I said, it's really resting on me. It keeps poking at me. And what can we do to help our listeners, our work BFF um, friends, mentees? What can we do to help them to have their mindset in the right place to be prepared for whatever changes may come. Right. So I like that. And I like how you're focusing because, right, because if you think about the future of work, it can encompass so many different things. And primarily a couple years ago when that, I think when that term started being thrown around a lot, to me, it was in relation to technology. How is technology being utilized in the workplace? Which we kind of did get a crash course, a lot of us this past year with COVID, but it does encompass so many things. And I think you you hit you hit the nail on the head, I guess, in terms for this discussion is merging the two worlds. So 
probably four or five months now, some percentage of the workforce within our organization plus outside other companies, organizations have been slowly integrating back into the office. And But as um, especially the vaccinations become more widespread, more wide available, we're going to see more and more of us showing up. And I like that where you're talking about, okay, now we're merging the two worlds. We were thrown into a world a year ago that most of us, I know you and I were talking and I said, I just worked from home one day a week up until a year ago. You did it on an ad hoc basis, right? As needed. If you had appointments, if you had someone coming to your house, I worked with a couple colleagues that may have done it twice a week, but it wasn't the norm. So we got thrown into this crazy freaking world for a year. We're kind of adjusted and used to it. And now they're telling us, hey, the future of work entails now those two worlds are going to uh, collide, so to speak, where some of us may be going back into the office. Some people might choose to go full-time and some might do a hybrid. And what does that look like? But also, how does that change how we've been operating this last year? What does that look like? And I know you'd brought up a couple of key things. And for me, one of them really got me thinking where you were talking about dressing. So we might have gotten like a free pass, maybe this pasture and how laxed we've gotten in our trust. But what does that look like to you, Kelly, now that it is going to be a a hybrid or say I do decide, hey, 90%, I'm still working from home. So what should I be thinking about in terms of my dress and how I'm showing up to work every day, even if I'm still sitting at home? When you're working from home, like you said, I agree totally. Past year, we've all been a little lax. We got a free pass. It was, you know, work how you're most productive or what have you. And um, like myself, many of our listeners can't see me, but um, I dress comfortable in this remote environment. But it's really been coming to my mind that we need to think about our professional presence. We talked in a previous episode about dressing for success and making sure that when you're showing up, that you're showing up in your most professional manner. And I think as we shift into the future of work and what the next environment is going to look like, we need to get back to that showing up professionally. And that means even if you're working from home, show up with your hair done, your makeup on, your jewelry on, dressing for success, dressing professional. I I don't want to say just from the waist up, but at least from the waist up. (laughs) Because you should be on camera your best self. Because I've also talked about how your reputation or your the impression of you shows up long before you get there. So you may be popping in these different meetings wearing a hoodie or um, something, a t-shirt or a polo or something kind of casual. And there's nothing wrong with that. This environment has made, given us the flexibilities to do that. And like I said, myself, I, I think I shared in another episode how um, I have learned to, if I'm wearing a um, solid like workout shirt that, you know, I'll jazz it up with a um, scarf or a piece of jewelry, something. So I look a little bit more professional, but you know, I don't know if I'm going to do that going forward. I envision going forward. If this becomes part of my normal, then when I come into this home office to work, I should be wearing the same clothes I would that I would be going to the office because just like when you went to the office, you don't know who may be in a meeting that you might walk into. You don't know if you're going to have a VIP guest or a visitor show up. So you never know who's going to be in your meeting on camera. And you just always want to make sure that you are prepared and dressed professionally and representing your best self because the impressions that people see through that camera, that's what they're taking away with them. And they're remembering, you know, how you looked, how you showed up, and the appearance that you represented yourself with. 
So what I'm hearing is we should be what it, what is that an old saying i i'm i'm thinking back to stuff i've heard in movies or like be ready for your close up always be ready at any given moment to someone say hey turn your camera on kelly hey turn your camera on sarah so we need to be ready for that and there shouldn't be excuses like oh i haven't showered today i didn't brush my hair i look like a hot mess like that's not a really good I guess, reputation or image to project. So we need to be ready for our close-up at all times. That's what I'm hearing. Right. Because you work from 8.30 to 5 or 8.30 to 4, whatever Mm -hmm. your window of time that you work. And if you were going into the office, you would dress professionally to go into the office. So when you start your workday, you should be showing up the same way as if you were in the office. And I really think that if this is going to become a way of working in the future, People should start shifting to that type of mindset and just being prepared that when I'm on the computer eight to five or whatever your you know window of time is that you work, you're working and you should be dressed and presenting yourself the exact same way. And like you said, always have cameras on. If um, Why do we have this great technology that we're able to see people on our computers and communicate with people? Why have that if you're not going to use it? Exactly. And then- if you have your camera off, why do you have your camera off? You know, you need to be able to check in with people to make sure they're okay. You know, then this ties into the self-care aspect of it is this environment has affected people in so many different ways, but seeing people on the screen, you get instantaneous. Do they look okay? Do they look happy? Do you know what I mean? So the video brings so much to the conversation besides just seeing you. Right. I think it also creates like a closer remote experience, like engagement, right? Because you were saying, right, if we're not using the technology, the cameras, then what's the point? I was talking to someone the other day about it and they're like, well, might as well just be a conference call. You know, I was sharing, there's some colleagues I have not seen in a year. And I know at the beginning of it, once we started using video, there was a lot of uh, articles, news things out there where people were getting camera fatigued because I think our meetings have either doubled or tripled, right? So we're not saying every single meeting, especially if you're a leader or you're leading a meeting, has to be camera. Again, it's dependent on the situation, but for us as a whole, we should always be ready for that close-up in camera. But as talking with you, I know when I had my staff meetings up until a couple months ago, I was always on camera. So I'm kind of guilty of not always being camera ready. Now, I know if I'm going to present, if I'm going to a higher level meeting, oh yeah, my hair's done. I probably have a little bit of makeup on. I have a nice top, blouse, what cardigan, what have you. I'm camera ready. But for the most part, if it's with my staff, it depended on the meeting and the topic. And if I was leading it, how camera ready I was. And But my first line supervisor she's always on camera, no matter if she's popping on for five minutes to tell us something or for five seconds. So I'll turn my camera on when her and I have a bunch of one-on-one. So I think that's really important because you're, you're creating that, that, that connection. So yes, word of caution, we should be ready for a close-up at, at all times and be on camera, which kind of leads into the next thing is embracing that technology. So not only the camera, but other technology that's coming our way with, um, that has came our way or has continued to do so, especially with the future of work. Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly where I was going to go next is to the technology aspect that this ability to video meet with people 
that's like the tip of the iceberg. That's a teeny tiny part of what is yet to come. There's so many tools out there that will need to be embraced going forward. You know, planning tools, scheduling tools, task tools, collaboration tools, so many other project management type tools that exist that if we can fully embrace them, I think that it is going to have us relook our processes, how we do things. And if the way we did things before was for that environment, that environment is long gone. The way we've been doing things for the past year has pretty much been a bandaid on it to keep doing what we need to do. It's not necessarily the best and it's not necessarily the most efficient, but there are other tools out there, collaboration tools. Other companies do this type of work all the time. So we need to figure out, you know, one, embrace the change. I know change is scary. Change is hard, especially if you're not that tech savvy, but take the time, take a breath, take it in. It is going to make the work environment, in my opinion, so much better because you're going to have processes that are systemized and they're going to run much smoother and it's going to be easier. And to even think about going back to the way we did things before would be losing the momentum of how far we've come. It would take us so many years back in what we're doing and probably slow things down. So with the technology, I just I think this is a key opportunity for those that are thinking about future work, think about what you do. How can you really embrace this technology and influence? Use this as an opportunity to influence and shape the way forward. There's some people who are not thinking about future work at all. Be that person who's thinking about it and making the recommendations. And maybe if we do this, we could change this. And then ultimately, it would make it better for you know everyone in the long run. So what tips or mentoring advice would you give those who have a hard time embracing technology or learning it? I want to say, don't be scared. <laughs> don't <laughs> and be I know scared. it's easier. <laughs> yeah, it's easier said than done. It can be very intimidating, um, especially um, for people of an older generation who the technology in itself, um, the com- you know, when we started work, there wasn't a computer, right? For me anyway. Mm-hmm. So how far things have come since the creation of the very first computer and to where we are now, where we, you know, pretty much everyone works off of a laptop or a touchable screen. Those things were not even possible. You had this big, huge box of a computer that couldn't go anywhere. So change happens and that's part of evolution. So take it slow. If it is intimidating to you, Don't shut it down. Take it in small bites. We talked about that. Eat that elephant one bite at a time. Take it in small bites, just a little bit at a time, one tool at a time. Try not to let it overwhelm you. Try not to let it paralyze you. There's um, many things yet to be learned, but if you just take it a little bit at a time, you know, read a book, find someone who's good at it. Where We always talk about finding the expert, find someone who knows it, you know, maybe Go to the kids at college or whatever who are you know much quicker and much savvier and say, "Can you show me how to do this?" And you know they know it so well they could break it down for you. But find the people who know how to use it. Um, maybe sign up for some LinkedIn learning. Maybe watch some YouTube's. Maybe if you're a reader, get a book online or from the library. There's so many resources out there. Google it. You know, how, how do I use Microsoft Planner? How do I use Microsoft to do, you know, there's just so many tools out there to be utilized and don't let it overwhelm you. And if you start feeling overwhelmed, take a break, 
take a take a break. Come back, you know, take in some, chew it up, take a break, come back to it, chew on some more. Just go at your own pace. But it's definitely if you are going to be working in the future of work environment, I would say you just have to embrace change is going to come. It's it's definitely going to be there because we're not going to be in this exact environment going forward. So you need to just start thinking about what do I what do I need to do to be prepared for this change that's coming and how do I need to get there? I love that. Yes, definitely ask people who are subject matter experts and ask other colleagues. I would also, I mean, YouTube is great. YouTube is like my one of my mentors. I go to YouTube for everything, especially when it when learning different technology, different applications. I know at the beginning when we started using MS Teams at our organization, um, Teams has evolved so much in the last eight or nine months with Microsoft. But at the beginning, it was like if I had to have training classes, you can't do now you we can do breakout rooms. That just happened in the last couple months. Prior to that, we couldn't. So I went to YouTube and I was like, how are other companies utilizing Teams for training sessions? How are they doing it? Well, they were creating a channel and then they were creating the channels underneath of it and then putting participants in those channels and, you know, sorting them, putting in there and then bringing them back to the main room. That's how they were doing it. So I learned a lot through YouTube videos. Also, I know at our organization, when they were going to push out a new um, software for us to use, they do brown bags. So people should be on the lookout. If there's brown bag sessions, IT sessions, watch them. Because the biggest thing you can do is say, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll learn it. I'll learn it. For whatever reason, whether you're too busy or you're just resistant, you're going to be left behind and you're going to feel that much more anxiety when you don't have a choice and you're forced to embrace it and use it. I know a couple of people offhand that have not been using MS Teams for over the last year. I don't work with them directly. So I I have a million questions like, how are they communicating? Are they just using email? How are they doing things? But if this becomes a constant, like say we are like, okay, you can come back into the office or it's going to be a hybrid. I would question if that person's like, oh, I want a hybrid schedule. Well, I would question that, you know, if they were my direct report or a colleague and I would say, well, Kelly's not using and embracing this technology. How, how and why is she able to still work from home? If she wants to operate under the old ways of doing things, so to speak, then I would feel like then you should be in the office every single day. But then I'm also like, but how are you going to communicate with those of us who are not, you know? So yes, get involved early, learn it, do those bite size. Like you were saying, if you don't, you're, you're going to feel left behind and you're going to be more left behind in the future as um, these things are continue to be implemented within our companies, organizations, and they just, they're just going to grow exponentially. They're not going to go away, guys. So just learn, 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 learn. And and however you're best at learning, whether it's through colleagues, brown bags, YouTubes, videos, you know, of that nature. Yeah, I would say another topic to think about is the flexibilities. You know, what are the left and right boundaries pretty much for the past year? Because nobody was prepared for this environment. Most people, when we left work, we thought it was for two weeks. No one knew. Well, maybe some did, but most didn't know that it was going. I knew it was going to be a year. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we've been just operating. We have not been working. We've been operating. And what I mean by that is, like I said, there's been no real boundaries. You know, this was stressful enough on everyone in the nation, being on lockdown, having your kids at home, trying to do remote schooling, 
trying to learn these new t- technologies that, that have been put in front of us. What things did we have to change to keep the business going? All kinds of stressors put out there. So it, it was basically keep the stress down, you know, rely on, trust your people and so forth. But there was no left, right boundaries. There was no, this is how we work in this environment. This is what's allowed. This is what's not allowed um, specifically, you know. So those, you know, what are those flexibilities that are going to be in place going forward? I personally have no idea at this point. And I think that's why I'm just so on fire to find out what is it going to look like? What are those boundaries going to be? What is it going to look like for people that through this pandemic have moved to another state because they don't envision ever coming back to the office? You know, how will those things be handled? So it'll be very interesting to me going forward, learning more about this and seeing where it goes. Another thing I wanted to share that has me totally fascinated is something called conversational intelligence. And I want to talk about this because I want to plant the seeds about real future of work. And um, I don't know if anyone, any of our listeners are old enough to remember the Jetsons. Sarah, do you know who the Jetsons are? (laughs) When I was little, yeah, Sarah reruns of the Jetsons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I grew up with the Jetsons. And, you know, if you look at the evolution of things happening, one day we could be in a very close environment to the Jetsons. We kind of have robots in our houses today. I can't say the name of the device that starts with a letter A because she will start talking to me. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Don't say it. (laughs) Oh, I have my vacuum, my iRobot vacuum. That's like... Well, see, that's another example. Yeah. amazing. (laughs) So... The technology, the capabilities of the technology and AI and VR and all that, it's there and it's just going to keep getting um, more and more perfected. But this conversational intelligence that I recently learned about for the work environment. So pretty much now we go to a meeting, everyone's in the meeting, everyone talks. Sometimes someone is designated to take notes, sometimes not. So other people just take notes and then they go away from the meeting and they rewrite the minutes of the meeting out and they send them out to the people and say, this is what I um, captured from the meeting. Let me know if you have any input or if um, I didn't quite capture something right. They get it back. They send it out. Actions are identified in that document, but sometimes people do their actions. Sometimes they don't. Is there follow-up? But anyway, conversational intelligence that I'm learning about. It's still very new, but basically it is going on during the meeting. It is capturing the meeting minutes. And by the end of the meeting, it has the minutes captured. It has actions assigned to an individual with a due date and a follow-up to remind them that, hey, your action is due on Tuesday or what have you. It categorizes them, it sorts them, it makes it searchable. And it also has the capability to connect the dots between other meetings on the same topic. So if you said something three meetings ago that now contradicts or something that builds upon it. So, I mean, like I said, it's very much in the infancy stages, but think about it. Think how big that can be. That is just a tiny, tiny, that's meeting minutes. Think about how big the future of work can be with the shaping of technology. Thinking, thinking, my God, I need that in my household. Because my memory sometimes is for shit. 
But, and that can be used against me when I swear up and down that I know I said X, Y, or Z. And then my partner's like, no, you didn't. You never remember anything. So I would love to have something (laughs) in our household where I could play back and say, yes, on April 15th, I said, da, 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 to which you responded. No, just making joke of that. That would be very handy dandy at home. But no, that is amazing. And that's something to think about. That's automation, right? So the person that used to do that may no longer be needed if we're going to start automating and using AI for stuff like that. So that is, you bring up, oh my gosh, a whole nother topic that we could actually have a topic about, which people have lost jobs to computers, to AI, to what have you. And it's just going to continue that way. So it's like learning what's in your field. And that meeting example is just a perfect example of how it's going to be more, I was going to say cohesive is not the word, but more efficient for team meetings but then you're also taking that role away from someone that's going to be doing that. So just thinking like long-term of the technology and, and how it's going to be embraced and how it is going to change the way we work, the future of work. Absolutely. And that ties right back to the being prepared that we talked about at the yes. beginning of this episode. And another thing that um, I recently noticed is in two other organizations that I've been watching is a new work structure in that they don't have necessarily permanent people in offices. They have people on one-year assignments, well, a leader in a one-year assignment, and then they have volunteers on six-month assignments, and they rotate on and off. So it's they're doing business not necessarily with permanent staff doing the same thing over and over and over. So it's more of an agile approach to work. And I know there's studies out there that talk about whether it's good, you know, the pros and the cons, and is it the way to go? Are people using this um, agile scrum approach in a way other than how it was intended? And can it still be efficient? In some cases, I think it is because you are addressing things with a diverse group of people. So you're bringing in diversity of thought, diversity of talent, and you're quickly getting to something that can be deployed, can be implemented. Um, But I think there's a right and a wrong, I don't want to say wrong way to do it, but there's a way to go about it to make it most productive and useful for what the organization is trying to achieve. Do I think that's a way to go across the board? No, because you do need the continuity of operations. You need the people that know what needs to be done. But I definitely support the diversity approach to this, to bringing people on, because sometimes getting out of the position you're in for six months is really good. It's a good fire under you to get your creative juices thinking again and looking at things in a way that you hadn't for a very long time because mm-hmm. you unintentionally are, are um, what's the word? Um, I don't want to say stuck in a rut, but you're not really stuck in a rut, but you are, com- and I don't want to necessarily say complacent, but you do what you do and you do it every day complacent. because that's what you do you, every day. You, yeah. So I guess, I guess, complacent. Yeah, I guess it's complacent, but not like um, sometimes they call people retired in place where they've checked uh, out. Yeah. So yeah. not not that, but more of, you know, you just, you do, you go in, you do what you do, because that's what you're supposed to do, but you don't think much further beyond that because you're so engrossed and limited in what you're exposed to because you're only doing what you do every day. So giving people an opportunity to step out of their environment wake up those creative juices, look at things from a whole new perspective. They come back energized and on fire because they're like, wow, I hadn't thought about all these things. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's circle back really quickly. Let's bring this all together because you've just shared so much, um, 
tidbits of information, I think, in terms of future of work. So rounding it out back to our mentoring moments. So the future of work, one is the dress, right? So be be ready for your close-up. Be camera ready, right? No more. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't brush my hair today. No, that's not professional. Would you show up to an office like that, right? So your dress. Then you touched on embracing technology. It's learning it, you know, asking colleagues, watching videos, going to the library. I think I mentioned, then I mentioned like brown bag sessions, IT sessions, learning it, embracing it. Cause it's, it's just going to get, it's just going to get more, right? Anything I missed, just, just chime right in. Then, well, and with that would just be along with embracing technology em- embrace change. Yep, that's the, the next change thing. is coming. Yeah. Okay. Yep. No, go ahead. No. Oh, I was going to say that. The world as we know it is changing and um, it's always going to be changing in one way or another. And I know change can cause a bit of uncertainty. And um, in a the Dare to Lead audiobook, I'm listening to Brene Brown. She had mentioned something to the effect of there's so much change going on. I'm having a hard time seeing how I fit and how I add value to the organization. So that makes it very scary when the change is evolving so quickly. But trying to be prepared for this change and embracing the technology, that's how you come out of this on the good end when, you know, I don't want to say come out of it, but that's how you contribute to being ready for the future of work. Oh, most definitely. So, which brings me to a quote or, you know, that I think a lot of people have probably heard sometime in their life is life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% is how we react to it. So that's just some mentoring food for thought there. Again, life is 10%. How we react to it's 90%. So it's all about how we can react to it, how we can plan ahead with it. And on that, guys, I would like to thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate you for being a part of our Work BFF Mentoring Tribe. Remember, this movement grows not only through your support of our show, but by all of us showing up and supporting women at work through our friendship and mentorship. From your work BFF mentors, be safe, be positive, and tune in next week.